0: Hey fraudster, welcome to the second episode of Beat Your Imposter Syndrome, the podcast dedicated to defeating your brain at its own game. I'm your host Eden, and you can find me on Twitter at Eden Waffles. If you missed the last episode, I highly encourage you to check it out. We talked about some of the historical science behind imposter syndrome and some of the general emotional symptoms you may find yourself experiencing when under the influence of your imposter. I feel it's a great place to start to get more of an understanding of how imposter syndrome works. So let's kick off today's session with the usual disclaimer. This podcast is not a substitute for professional therapy. I am not here to cure or fix you. The ideas discussed are instruments of thought and insight into the issues of self-esteem, anxiety and how we can overcome these challenges in our careers. So, with that out of the way, let's introduce today's topics. Our first topic will be a practical exercise to get you critically thinking. You will be learning more about your own expectations of you, so you'll need a pen and paper or equivalent. These types of self-explorative exercises are far more effective if you write the answers down, but if you really can't, you can just think them for now, that's fine. Then, while you let your answers sit and ferment in that gorgeous brain of yours, we'll be kicking things up a notch with our second topic. In this topic, we will be defining the five types of achiever mindset that many of us experience with imposter syndrome. We'll also talk about how you can find which mindset defines you best and also give you some new easy rules to remind yourself the next time you're feeling like an imposter. Finally, a third topic, I'll be talking about some strategies that you can use to assist with your own reality check. That's all I'm going to say there, so you'll have to stick around if you want the good stuff. Let's get started with topic one. So let's talk about rules. Rules are what set expectations and boundaries. We all have rules for navigating through our own lives and they can be structured positively, like brush your teeth to prevent tooth decay, or negatively, like never run around the edge of a pool. So those are our external rules, and we also have internal rules. Our internal rules are our own expectations of our standards of behaviour in our work and life. We also have rules of competence, that is, rules that we follow that equate to our competence in the field that we're in. These competence rules are the ones that can be incredibly distorted, especially when it comes to our careers. So these rules, these internal rules that we have, determine our levels of expectation that we have set on ourselves. For example, when we want to feel that we're meeting our expectations for a potential job, we'll have rules like always show up early to a job interview and to dress for the job that we want. We also have rules when we are working in our day-to-day jobs, such as don't ask for time off unless you have a really good reason, or the classic, the more hours I work, the more dedicated to the job I am. So, In her book, The Secret Thoughts of Successful Women, Valerie Young believed that every imposter on the planet has a distorted view of competence. And each view is a little bit different from the one that precedes it. So this exercise that we're going to go through together is an exercise that Young created to help illustrate your own types of rules for competence. So you'll need your pen and paper now. You can pause here if you need to go grab it. I'll wait. Hooray, you're back. All right, so here's what we're going to do. I am going to say to you a phrase. In this phrase, it's going to have blanks. Where I say blank, I want you to fill it in with the first thing that comes into your head. It doesn't matter how disorganized you think it sounds. It doesn't matter how stupid you think it is. Just write it straight down. All right? Okay. Here's your first phrase. I will know I'm competent at blank. When blank. And here's an example for you. I will know I'm competent at helping people solve problems when I can create a comment, video, article or piece of work that accurately and correctly answers the question that's being asked. Here's your next phrase. If I were really smart, blank. Here's an example. If I were really smart, I would be able to make my work more interesting and helpful to people. Did you get that? Okay. The next one. I should always, blank. Here's an example. I should always, Help people when I can. And the last phrase if I were really qualified, I would blank. And in an example, if I were really qualified, I would be right every single time with my answers. Did you like those examples? <laughs> they were mine. <laughs> I actually did this uh exercise four times because I felt so ridiculous every time I every time I wrote an answer down, I would go, "Oh, that's oh, yeah." So, it took me four goes to get it right, and I was quite confronted with my answers by the end of it as I realized how absolute and how black and white I'm thinking. Like, in, for instance, with mine, if I were really qualified, I would be right every single time with my answers. Wow. When it's written in front of you, it creates a whole new level of meaning. Rather than plucking the idea or the thought from, you know, the ethereal realm of thinking, you're actually seeing it. And you're reading your own answers. It's quite surprising when you actually write your rules of competence. Just how high your standards are. How high you have these expectations. I'm not going to be right every single time with my answers. That's ridiculous. Nobody's ever going to be right. But for some reason in my brain, I think that. I really think that I have to be. So I just thought that was really interesting. So take a moment to... Pause here. Grab yourself a coffee, maybe a tea, maybe a biscuit, Ooh. and just read back your answers and just really sit for a minute and just think critically about what you have written. And not critically in the sense of, oh man, this looks so stupid, this sounds so silly, because of course it's going to sound silly. You wrote it. You always think it sounds silly when you write it yourself. But really analyse and just have a think about it. When you're ready, pause and we'll continue. All right, let's move on to topic two. So now that we're feeling a little more familiar with what competency rules are, we can now learn more about the competency types that Valerie Young identifies in her book, The Secret Thoughts of Successful Women. Each type of achiever represents a certain mindset that is often adopted when measuring our own competency. With each competency type Young suggests a new set of competency rules to help change the patterns of thinking and to start engaging in healthier functioning thoughts. So there are five types in total you might find yourself identifying with all of them but one in particular will stand out just a little bit more than the rest and that is the one that you will most likely feel that you identify with the most. And while you listen if you hear a new rule that really piques your interest or just gives you a really nice squashy fuzzy gut feeling write it down because it's probably one that you need to add into your new rules of competency The first mindset is the perfectionist. Now the perfectionist is the type of achiever whose main focus is how it is done. So you may find that as a perfectionist you will often spout the motto of if you want something right, do it yourself. If you are a perfectionist, you may find it very difficult to delegate a task. Not because you want to do everything yourself, but because you are afraid or concerned about the result that the other person will produce. The perfectionist regularly suffers frustration and disappointment at the hands of another's best efforts. So never mind how hard or how long the other person worked, it will never be good enough in your eyes. It will never achieve the impossibly high expectations of the Perfectionist. The Perfectionist often says phrases like, oh, that's not how you do that, or, oh, here, honey, let me show you how it's done, or even a, alright, I'll do it, since you can't seem to follow my instruction. A Perfectionist will often correct another person's actions, even going so far as to pushing that other person aside to complete the task themselves. So if you've ever had a piece of work insanely critiqued and then redone by another person, then you are likely dealing with a perfectionist. One mistake and the whole project is just ruined. If you identified with this description, you may find these new reframes of competency useful. One, perfectionism inhibits success. 2. If it's good, it will do. 3. Everyone does it differently. 4. How it's done is not your business. And 5. Perfection is boring. Not everything deserves to be perfect. The next mindset is the natural genius. The natural genius is the achiever whose expectation of learning something new is just to be naturally good at it, thus producing professional grade work. If you are a natural genius, you'll often find yourself judging your levels of competency with extra attention to your ease and speed. If you are working too slowly at learning something new, or you're not quite sure what a new concept or idea is, you'll automatically switch to meltdown mode and completely quit the task. When confronted with a task that is, at the time, beyond your capability, you, the natural genius, will often say things like, oh, why can't I do this, or... I've only done it once, I should know how to do it every single time. Or even, if I were smart, I would know how to do that. Your efforts are often discarded ad nauseam, meaning new skills and tasks are just thrown away after one or two attempts, as you beat yourself up for being less than astonishingly perfect. Now, true yes, some people are naturally talented. Some people can just accelerate quickly in areas that others cannot. Some will be able to transfer skills from other tasks to speed up current learning. Some will be able to just pick things up quicker. The natural genius does not understand that everybody learns at a different pace. The natural genius's pride lies in intellect. All geniuses should be able to pick up a paintbrush and produce awe-inspiring work first time, every time. If you can't, then you must be stupid or lazy. The natural genius will often forget that there is a painful period of growth between starting a new skill and mastering it. You'll often compare yourselves to somebody who's worked in the field for years and wonder why you'll never be as good as them. If you identified with the natural genius, your new reframes for competency can include 1. Effort, not ability. 2. Challenges are often opportunities in disguise. 3. Real success takes time. And 4. Just keep Practicing. The next achiever mindset is the rugged individualist. The rugged individualist believes that to become successful, your work must be completed without aid. The rugged individualist operates under the idea that to become successful, you must work towards every achievement without help. True competence, you believe, means that you must go it alone. The rugged individualist is very similar to the perfectionist, as everything must be done your way, but not as a means of controlling quality. More, in your heart of hearts, you just feel like if you were really competent, you could just do it yourself. This way of thinking chronically devalues your efforts, especially when collaborating. This is because you feel that the only achievements you think are good and worthy are the ones that you have done all on your own. Working with another person or or in a group completely devalues that achievement. There's probably been a time in your life where you've won something based on who you knew, not what you knew. Maybe you won an award or a prize or a contract or a referral or even a job because somebody put in a good word for you. But this kind of achievement to you is not really an achievement because you got an extra hand. You got a handout. The rugged individualist is often an entrepreneur or a freelancer or just somebody who prefers working alone. And as a rugged individualist, you want to be original, really original, And if someone gets to that idea, that original idea, before you do, you're crushed. There is just nothing inside except a feeling of absolute remorse and guilt for just not being fast enough. Not being fast enough to get there before the other people did. So now instead of following through with an idea, which is probably a completely different interpretation from the other person's idea, You reject it completely. You bin it. You throw it out. It's gone. Because how could you publish anything that's not original? So proud is the rugged individualist that well-meaning advice will often fall on on deaf ears. You prefer to learn things the extra hard way. So, if you identified with the rugged individualist, your new... Rules for competency can include 1. People are your greatest resource and sometimes you need resources to get a job done. 2. If you want to succeed, ask when you need. 3. It's not lazy to find a better and easier way to do it. 4. If it's been done already, that's okay. Do it again. Five. It's okay to say help when you need it. Six. Smart people know when to listen to somebody who knows more than them. Seven. When seeking advice. Ask the right people. Eight. You don't have to have original ideas, just original interpretation. Nine. Your work doesn't have to be groundbreaking to be good. And ten. It's okay to build on the work of other competent people. The next achiever mindset is the expert, you know, the person that just knows everything. (laughs) And if you don't know everything, well, you will soon, don't worry. You just need to earn one more tertiary degree. So the expert's primary concern is how much knowledge or how many skills or how many credentials they possess. How many hours of research did you do on that assignment? How many degrees do you have? How long have you practised a skill for? Most of those you'll probably say are not many or not enough. Because for you, the expert, it'll never be enough. Knowledge is power, you may say. You will often hear yourself, the expert, say, well, if I were smart, I would know that. Or, well, I haven't done enough yet to be good at what I do. The expert often touts a severe inferiority complex. The feeling that others around them are smarter than them. Most, if not all, emphasis becomes how much they know, how long they have studied, how many degrees they have. If you come across a person who has several degrees... In their chosen field and still considers themselves new and just unsure of their knowledge then they're probably an expert. If you identified with the expert mindset then here are your reframes of competency. One, there are many paths to expertise. Two, there is no end to knowledge 3 competence means respecting your limitations 4 you don't need to know everything you just need to know a little bit 5 even when you don't know something you can still you can still project confidence 6 you don't Need to feel confident to act confident. The last mindset is the superwoman mindset. Superwoman, the superman, the superstudent, the super one. The super one is like the final form of the perfectionist, the natural genius, and the rugged individualist, forged in the deep fires of anxiety. You don't want much. You just want everything. You, the super one, want to be the best student. You want to be the best parent. You want to be the best partner. You want to be the best friend. You want to be the best worker. And you want to be the best volunteer. You, the super one, will often say things like, Well, if I were really good, I could do it all. And if you ever stumbled on a bottled genie, your first wish would be, to have more time in the day to fit everything in. But like all superheroes, you have a weakness. You are a mere mortal. You find that over time, your super energy stores become super depleted. Having to constantly meet your own impossible standards of being the best at everything, soon you'll find yourself stumbling, tripping, And then all progress is completely halted as you fall into a depression because you just simply couldn't be the best. You take a few weeks, gather yourself, and then you try again. I feel that this is the one, this is the mindset that many mums and dads will identify with. When you become a parent, you add a new layer of stress and dysfunction into your life. And our kids... As they grow, they observe this and they model from this behaviour. And the kids, as they grow up, they begin to think too that as an adult, they must take on just as many responsibilities as you have. For the super one, the hardest word they can say is the one that will benefit the most. No. If you feel that you are a super one, your new reframes of competency include 1. Just because you can, doesn't mean you should. 2. No is a fine response. 3. It's okay to stop and think for a while. 4. Being super sends an unhealthy message to young children. So they were all the mindsets. I feel that, for me, I feel like I identify with the superwoman, the super one, the most. I definitely have traits of all of them, though. I know that I can be quite a perfectionist. I will often undercharge my clients because I feel like I drag my heels too much when I'm creating work, so I will undercharge as a result of that because I feel that, well, because I drag my heels so much and I spent much, much longer on this piece of work than I should have, then I can't charge for those excess hours of just me being fiddly with it. I also feel that um, in my younger years I really identified as the natural genius. When I was younger I didn't understand that there is a space between learning a new task and carrying out that task competently. I never understood that so whenever I would try to do something once I bought a bass guitar and I tried using it. And I played, um, I was actually playing it, uh, not plugged in, um, playing it. And I just through random fingering and plucking of the strings, I was able to play a couple of riffs of a couple of songs that I knew. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is pretty good. But I didn't play it fast enough. And I thought, oh, man, I'm terrible at playing the guitar. And I put it away and I haven't touched it since. I have moved past that mindset. I understand now in my older years, I do understand now that there is a period of painful growth. I do understand that skills take time to master. So I don't identify with the natural genius as much as I used to. But every now and then when I'm learning something new and I'm feeling frustrated... I get the negative self-feedback of, oh, you're not learning fast enough, you should be good at this by now. I can at least tell myself with confidence, well, hey now, I'm only on my third lesson and everybody learns at their own pace and I'm learning at a pace that's just right for me and that's okay. So we've covered a lot of ground so far in this episode. We've examined our own expectations of our own levels of competency We've covered a lot of ground in this episode so far. We've examined our own expectations of our competence levels. We've talked about the different mindsets that one might fall into when being confronted by their own imposter. And we've also discussed some of the new rules that can be adopted the next time we feel fear and doubt our own abilities. The last thing to talk about today is just a few strategies that we can use to help assist ourselves with our own reality check. So right now you're probably feeling quite a bit of weird, confusing emotions. You might be feeling really pumped, like you're just ready to just burst out of that basement that your imposter has you imprisoned in. You might feel relieved Like, you finally understand a little bit more about yourself and, you know, the reasons why you behave the way you do. You may even feel a sense of belonging, a sense of kinship with me and with anybody else who might be listening to this podcast. Like, you just don't have to go through it alone anymore. Mm. This is awesome. If you're feeling any of this, This is how I felt, (laughs) too, especially when I first learnt about imposter syndrome, and uh, if you're feeling amped, I am so amped, I'm so feeling it with you, (laughs) but you might not be feeling great, you might be feeling uneasy, you might be feeling unsure. And you might just be feeling overwhelmed and confused by all of these new terminologies. This talk about super super people and natural geniuses has just really got you all can you know all messed up in the brain. And that's okay too. You might not know where you place your mindset within the achiever categories. And if you don't, that's fine this first strategy is really going to help you. The first thing you need to do is to just give yourself time to let all this new information sink in. Information especially a lot of information is always easier to process when you've had time to sort through and move past your initial reaction. It can be hard to identify what kind of person you are or what type of mindset that you have. It can be painful to relive old memories, especially if they have been times where you have felt really vulnerable and the situation is directly connected to your anxiety about your career, about your life. So just go and relax for a while. Maybe finish the podcast first, obviously. And then just go relax for a while. If you can. If you can. If you can't, I understand the next uh, available point you have. Go chill. Just go chill out, man. Just go chill. That's all you need to do. Get a good night's rest. And then revisit the topic tomorrow. The next day. The second thing that you should do is research the things that you don't understand but are curious about. If you're unclear on some of the things that we have talked about today, some of the things that we have talked about in my previous episodes, and some of the things that we will talk about in the episodes to come, then do yourself a really big solid and do some extra research into the topic. Sometimes a self-guided tour of Google is really the best thing that you need to uncover more about an idea that you can really seize and work with. You're also obviously more than welcome to ask me a question. The point is, doing the extra research will give you that in-depth understanding that you need. It's a really widely known phenomenon. There are hundreds of articles on Google There are plenty of books that have been published. I should know. I've read them all. (laughs) But there is plenty of source material that you will be able to find to just really, really get stuck into. And, of course, listen to the podcast. Keep listening to the podcast because we will cover a lot. (laughs) We're going to cover a lot in the next uh, few episodes. (laughs) So the next thing you can do, if you have identified with the mindsets and you're really unsure about what successes you've had in your life or where you know where you've been proud of something that you have done the next thing you can do is to make a list in most 12-step sobriety programs They usually have a step that involves writing a list of the misdemeanors that you performed while you are under the influence. This step asks you to be honest with yourself and lets you see and fully understand the consequences of your actions and the consequences of your addiction. We're not going to do that. (laughs) What we are going to do is, if you're finding it difficult to really gauge how successful you are in your life so far, making a list of what you have achieved in your life will help create a visual picture of how hard you have worked so far and in what areas. You can just call it my list of achievements and just create two columns, label the top column first with what I did and then the second column how I did it and that will do. Write everything down, be honest with yourself, even if it is really small, like I applied for a job that I was way out of my league, but I really wanted it, or I started turning my phone off at night so I wouldn't get calls from my boss, or even just I created a morning routine to help me get to work on time. These things may seem really trivial, but they are actually huge, integral, critical pieces to the puzzle of your success. Because without that morning routine, you wouldn't be performing so well at work. If without getting that courage to apply for that job, or without finally, without laying down a boundary and letting your boss know that no, eight pm is not an acceptable time to be calling to discuss work, well that's just giving you more confidence, that's boosting your self-esteem. And it's creating a really nice foundation. For you to then further achieve more success. Don't forget to to add any collaborations that you've worked with because working with people can be really difficult. People are people and it can be really chaotic and dysfunctional to try and work with others but that's okay because you did You did work with those people, and you did all work together to create whatever project it was. So be sure to include them too, because you were just as important as every other member of that group. If you're having trouble finding positive things in your life that make you feel proud, then perhaps a second opinion will help. Get yourself an accountability buddy, an accountability buddy. Get yourself a person that you can ask, hey, do you think this thing counts as a success? Do you think this thing I did is successful? Sometimes just having another person that you can bounce an idea off of and they can say, yes, that was successful. Yes, you're climbing. You you afraid of heights, but you went rock climbing on the weekend for the first time. Yes, that is a huge success. Often just having somebody... Confirm to you that what you did was valid is enough to help hold you accountable to your own actions and all just help in lifting that veil of realism and just lifting that veil and really realizing your true potential. So those are all of my tips. If you have a particular strategy that you used, that you found was really successful in getting you to think more positively about yourself and your successes and achievements, please feel free to contact me and tell me all about it. Um, I I may even include it in another episode. I love hearing stories about success. It just makes me feel so proud. So proud. So Thank you for tuning in today. It was great to have you here. Great company, great company. Our next episode will be exploring the imposter cycle and our own fears of success and failure. We'll be discussing possible reasons why we let the fear of success or failure get to us and inhibit our performance And how we can just start learning to tolerating that anxious voice in your brain. If you hear barking, that's my dog. (laughs) Any social media links, any references, any guest information will all be in the description of this cast. However, if you're having trouble getting to them... Feel free to find me on Twitter at EdenWaffles, on YouTube, on my channel Eden V, and also my websites EdenV.com and ZombiesEatGrains.com. If you want to read more about what we talked about today, I encourage you to pick up a copy of Valerie Young's book, The Secret Thoughts of Successful Women. It's a very good read, and by the end of the book I was... By the end of the book, my neck was very sore from nodding in agreement so much. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Again, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you here. And I'll see you in the next episode. Take it easy, fellow fraudster.